Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Good evening, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. Hope you've all had um, a good day. Hopefully not too hot a day. And um, you've been keeping yourselves very well, um, avoiding too much sunshine. I mean, I know for some of us who love the kind of hot Niger sunshine, we probably are loving this a little bit more than others. But um, let's just all be careful and safe. So welcome to today's um, Bible study. Um, my name is Bumi Ulubode. I'll be uh, taking the study today by the grace of God. So before we even start, before we do anything, I'd just like to pray, uh, just commit everything into God's hands because um, it's my belief that you don't, you don't approach the word of God without prayer. So um, yeah, let's just do that as we start. So Heavenly Father, gracious and merciful God, we thank you, Father, for life. We thank you for everything that you have done and that you do for us. We know that we are not here by accident. You have drawn us by your spirit because you want to teach us. And Father, I thank you for that. I thank you for writing the scriptures and writing the Bible and preserving it over the years so that we can learn from it. And thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit who teaches us all things. And though I am taking this, Lord, I just yield myself to you, that it be not I or what is in my heart that I teach, but that you, Holy Spirit, through me will teach your children. I also pray that you will overshadow each and every one of us to give us insight and understanding, even as we hear what it is you have for us today. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We commit everything into your hands. We just say, Lord, come and have your way. Just come and have your way. Father, in every home, we're just asking for your presence. Come, Lord, because you are our Lord. You are God, the Most High, and there is nobody else like you. We have gathered together, your children. We have gathered to meet with you. So come, Lord, come. Wherever we are, no matter what kind of a day we've had, Lord, we just invite you. We say, take your place. Have your way. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus Christ's name, we have prayed. Amen. So good evening, everyone. Welcome once again um, to today's Bible study. Um, as usual, I love teaching aids. I love um, seeing things because it helps. It helps me focus. It means that I don't go off. Um, I was hoping I'd be able to put it on a Google Drive and share the links with everyone um, before we started so you can have it. But um, I think I'm going to struggle with that. I've not been able to get it to obey me yet. So um, I'll, I'll try and I'll have to find another way. But I'm going to share some slides to help us um, go through this today. Okay, so let's do this. Let's start. Okay. Now, um, I, I, I'll give a little bit of a background um, 
I know it's not necessary, but I'll give you a little bit of a background as to why this topic today, the heart. And the main reason is because um, when I when I uh, when I knew I was going to take the session. I did what I do, which is, okay, Lord, well, first you want me to take this and what do you want to say? And as, as I did that, um, the first thing that God said to me was, or what, what I felt he said was that um, where we are right now um, and where he's taking us to and what he wants to do the heart has to be right. And it may, it may have been that it was just following on from what Pastor Agu had shared at the end of um, POG, or it may have been, it may just be something else. I, 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 I don't know. I'm not going to try and debate it, but I am sure that that's what it is because I did try to change the topic a few times. And uh, yeah, that's my little confession. I did try to do, do something else, but I've learned over the years not to, not to second, not to try and uh, think what God is thinking. So we're going to have a little look at the heart today. And to be very honest with you, this is a huge study and we can't really do it in an hour. So I've had to sort of truncate it and not necessarily go as deep as I could go. But what I hope you will do is you will take some of the hints and stuff that we talk about today and that you will take it further uh, like the Berean Christians. You would not, you would hear what I have to say and you will check it out and you will do what it is that you should do, which is to push it further than I have so that we can get the best of it. Okay. So again, I love interaction. So please, um, I, I don't mind joining in. Um, if you would like to ask the question in between, I don't mind if you raise your hands and um, perhaps maybe, Laya, you might help me to ask the question or to, um, to just let them to unmute and uh, ask the question. But if not, just type it in the chat. That will also be fine. Um, and we can go from that place. Okay, so let me start. Now, um, we know where we are um, as, a, as, a, as a church and the heart is very important. So we're going to take a quick look at the heart and what it means um, in there. Now, when, when, when this was, when, when, when I was um, meditating and talking to God about it, um, I, I, I sort of thought, okay, let me have a look at the physical heart and understand, you know, what does it do in the body? Um, and, you know, I guess most of us already know, but I, I'll, I'll just, I'll just, um, just take us through a few things in here. The heart is very vital. It's, it's one of the central pieces, central organs of the, of the um, circulatory system in the body. Um, and we know it pumps blood all over the body. Um, and we also do know that if the heart is to malfunction, then that does have an impact on the kind of life and even the possibility of life in itself. So it's a very vital organ in the body uh, from the physical perspective. But when we also consider it from scriptural perspective as well, it is also a very important uh, part of the human spirit, um, spiritual experience um, in there. 
Um, and, and, and we're going to try and have a look at that and see how important it is as we go through, through this. So the aim of this is really just to bring some understanding to us, um, I, I, I think, but also at the end of it for us to also have ways by which we recognize uh, and are able to manage and, 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 and have the best experience, best human experience that we possibly can um, as, we go, as we go through life, yeah? So let's start first and foremost um, now. As usual, whenever I approach a topic, the first thing I do is I go into the scriptures and I search where's the very first mention of this particular uh, word in the scripture. And the very first mention of it is in Genesis chapter 6 and verses 5 to 6. Now, this is a very interesting read, reading from verse 1 to 8 is a very interesting read. Um, but I, I am conscious that I have a fair bit to go through. So I, I, I'll not do, I'll not read the whole thing. I'll just give a little bit of, a, of, of, a con of context um, before I read that scripture. So we know God had created the heavens and the earth. He'd made man on the earth. He'd given man dominion. And then Adam and Eve um, sinned against him and the sin came into the world. And they began life as a family out or outside of the, um, the Garden of Eden. Um, we were introduced to Cain and Abel, and then we had this whole period where people multiplied on the earth. And, and um, the chapter five outlines the genealogy all the way from Adam to Noah for us. And then we start at chapter six. And obviously God had been observing because the scripture starts in, in verse one saying now um, that um, um, people had, had, grow, had, had multiplied over the earth and God had been observing. And in verse five, God says something like this. He says, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And this is reading the King James Version. And verse six goes and says, and it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. Okay, so these, this scripture represents the first mention where the word heart itself was used or was translated as heart in there, okay? And so very interesting thing, I, 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 I had a little bit of a side tour when I read this, because of course, when you read it before, it talks about um, giants or Nephilim in, Nephilim in the earth, uh, the sons of God and the daughters of men, and there's all that controversy and all of that. Let's put that to one side for today. That's not the focus of this one. But of course, I had a little bit of a side track there, and I was looking at the definition of the, the Hebrew words behind the wickedness and evil and all, all those things, just to try and get a bit more understanding of what was going on in there. there I might share some of that with you as we go ahead, right? So now the word, the Hebrew word that was translated as heart in that scripture is the word lahav. Uh, um, and um, it basically brings the understanding that, um, or, or it comes from a root word, which basically brings the understanding of becoming intelligent 
or getting a mind. So it's really, when it's talking about the heart from that perspective, it's really talking about the, um, the what you and I may call or will call the mind, but the scripture doesn't actually call it the mind. It says it's, 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 it's the heart, yeah? Um, but there are so many different Hebrew words that are translated as heart, and there's so many different translations of the word lachav. Um, and just in, in the, the screen there, I have a few of them. Um, it's translated, or the word lahav, or the Hebrew word lahav, is translated in, as inner man, mind, will, heart, and understanding in different places and in different scriptures. And really, we, it will it will it will it will be um, a good thing if you if you ever wanted to sort of um, challenge yourself is to do a study on the heart. I mean. Just the search alone tells you that there are 830 um, trans translated words, hearts, there are 830 of them in the scripture. So that will be a very interesting long study, um, just going through each and every one of them. But there's a reason and there's a good reason to do so. And I hope to demonstrate that as we go along um, in 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 this in this in this session, yeah. So so that word lahav, which is um, um, translated as um, heart, is um, is the Hebrew word um, um, that we that that we're going to look at or start with um, from from now. Okay. Right. So let's have a look. So in that scripture in Genesis chapter six, verse five, the first thing that we know is that God was looking, he was observing humanity and seeing what was going on. And from that, he came to a conclusion. He says, look, there's just way too much wickedness in the earth, you know? And he then made a statement and he said, um, the King, King James Version uses the word imagination. The New King James uses intent. Um, some other versions use um, um, the, um, the, the, the intention of the heart. They, 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 I think about three different translations. Um, they use different words to... I, different words, uh, the, the word heart there is translated, or the word um, imagination is translated in three different ways, the three different words that they use for it. But the key thing there is the fact that, I, and this, this I found very interesting when I looked at it, that the word imagination is not what you and I, at least it's not what I thought it was, because when I read it, I was thinking imagination, you know, daydreaming and the things that I can paint with my mind. But actually, this was talking about, and again, I can see why the word imagination is used, but it was talking about what we form in our thoughts, the way we are. Ah, thank you. What's the... Uh, okay, so um, 7.13, let's do the declaration now. Thank you for reminding me. Thank you. So um, let's do that. Let's do it together. Oh Lord, we are your people called by your name. We humble ourselves, we pray and seek your face. We turn from our wicked ways, hear from heaven, Lord, forgive our sins and heal our land. 
in the name of Jesus we pray. We declare our land is healed in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Okay. So back to our, um, our word, the word imagination. Um, and so I was surprised to find out that it really talks about the way in which or what we form our thoughts, but it also includes the intent or the purpose. And I can see why some translate it as the intent and some translate it as the imagination. But the word actually is, a, is almost a combination or there's a hint of both the intention, the purpose of why you're thinking what you're thinking or why you're imagining what you're imagining or why you're forming that picture in your mind uh, about it. And I'm the word using, I'm using the word mind. That's not what the scriptures actually says. It says in the heart. So just, just, just bear with me because I, my mindset is he's talking about the mind because I do my imaginations in my mind. I'm I, not in there, but I, I'll explain that in a bit, in the second bit. And the second word that I wanted us to sort of look at as well is the thoughts. And again, this one was a little bit of a surprise because this talks about the way, not necessarily what it is, but the way in which we go about forming our thoughts. So the process we go through, um, and it's it's almost like a contrive. We we try and we try and contrive things, plot things, plan things, put it together. And so it it, it gave me an insight into the way the human thought process works. It's it's almost as if we put things together and come up with a thought. It's not simply that the thought just appears. I, I, I don't know how to explain it. I've always thought that, okay, you just get a thought, it just comes, you know, it's not there. But apparently there's some inner function that talks, that happens. And I'm only saying that from the basis of the what, what the Hebrew word um, definition says, not necessarily because I understand some scientific stuff behind it, but it's really just based on what that scripture, um, the Hebrew word says, and you, uh, you, you have it on the screen for you to read if you're reading that, but if not, I'll, I'll just read it out. It says, the thoughts, meaning a contrivance, a plot. It comes from the root word, kasab, uh, which means to plate or interpenetrate that is literally to weave so it's almost like we weave our thoughts together in there or to fabricate yeah um so that's that's the sort of that's the sort of um word that that we we have in there so god says he looks at it and he says look there's so much wickedness going on in the earth and even these people, the way they think, what they think, the way they think is just evil, you know? So these people, are, they, just, they just don't get it. They don't understand. I mean, uh, that was then, but if we look at it today, um, I'm sure many of us can draw parallels. I can see parallels. Um, 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 as to what's going on, what, what's what's going on today in today's world in there, you know the way we think and what we think. Sometimes, yeah, 
we need we need we need <laughs> we need we need some sanitizing on those ones but anyway so that's that was that's the that's the basis of what it is where where that sort of statement comes on just to give us an indication of what what it is that the scripture is talking about when it talks about the heart in genesis 6 verses 5 in itself in verse 6 we'll come to that in a bit but in verse 6 it's slightly it's a again it's the same word but slightly different um emphasis on on that word okay so now as and, and as i was saying you know as as a western as a westerner or as a as a person today i think of the mind as in the brain so it's my brain that is doing the work. But the Hebrew mindset was it's the heart that is doing it. I don't get it, but that's that was the Hebrew mindset. So they never really referred to the brain, or maybe the brain was the heart. I, I, I have no clue. But when they talk about it, the mind, the mind was in the heart. The, 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 the heart was the seat of the mind. That's where the mind was uh, for them. But for us... Um, it's it's generally the brain yeah and basically for this and from from that we know that it's the it's the place where we have our intellect where we have our reasoning where we determine and where we understand so where we process information that's that's our mind and it does a lot more than i can describe but yes it's a very powerful very powerful um let me call it instrument for now in there because it's not that we can see it but it's there and every human being has the mind in itself okay so as uh, that was that was what it was in genesis um, chapter 6 and, and verse 5 and so i looked through scripture again to see is there any supporting evidence is there any supporting evidence anywhere um for this particular um view that the heart is um, the Hebrews looked at it as the mind. Um, and then, yes, of course, there's so many of them. I just picked three from different places. Again, just to show you how the Bible uses the word heart interchangeably. And I will say something about that later on as we go along. But here are some examples. I'm not necessarily going to go through them. Um, but Numbers chapter 16 and verse 28. And that translates the word le lehav as mind in that particular scripture yeah but um and in the other ones genesis 17 17 yeah it translates that same word as heart uh, and in psalm 19 verse 14 it translates that same word as heart but we you know you and i are more familiar with meditation in the in the in the in the mind we do it in our minds or in our heads or if you if for want of a better way of putting it or as some would say in the inner man i i it's a little it's a little um it can be a little confusing um in there but i'm sure that if you go through scripture you will see many 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 more where i mean where the, it's translated either as mind or heart in there uh, so the scripture does use it use the translations and it, you know it would be nice to sit down with the holy spirit and ask why did you use this one in there i have some theories but i i'd like to have that conversation with him to understand you know why was that translated this way in this particular one and not this way in them because you could see how sometimes the the um the translations could could work either way in there okay so now let's move on to um, Genesis 6 6 
So in Genesis 6, 6, I'll just read that again, just to remind us. And the Lord was, um, I'm reading from the New King James Version now. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. The King James Version says the Lord repented that he made man in the earth. Yeah. And here he talks about grieved in the heart. Um, and for a second or thought, I, I thought, how do you get grieved in the mind? You know, because it just, I, I, doesn't work for me in terms of my the way I think in itself. You know, so I did a bit more digging, and um, there's a there's a whole host of information out there. But I wouldn't I wouldn't take you down that rabbit's hole um, today. But for I think it will be enough for us to say that when we feel pain in our hearts, we really are talking about when we are emotionally challenged, when something hurts us, when we feel some pain, you know, maybe somebody disappointed us and we feel that, uh, feel that, feel that pain, or somebody did something to displease us and we feel an element of that. So it's really talking about our feelings and introduces us to another part of the heart, which we will call the emotions in there. So again, the scripture is now introducing or showing us that the heart is not just one thing, but it is a, in this case, two things so far. But we will find out later on that there's a lot more to the heart than just those, just, just those two things in there. But again, it's the same Hebrew word, lachav, that was translated in verse 5 as, as uh, um, 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 heart that is translated here as heart, but referring to two aspects of what I would call the heart for now, which is one is the mind and the other is the emotions. Okay, so moving on again. Now, again, I continued through my research trying to figure out, okay, what else does the Bible say about the word heart? And I came across this very interesting one, um, Exodus 15 and in verse eight, and it reads, and with the blast of, the, of thy nostrils, the waters were gathered together, the floods stood upright as a heap, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. Okay, here we go. Again, this is that word heart. Again, it is the same word, lehav. It's not a different word, it's exactly the same word. And this is in the heart of the sea. So what's the scripture saying now? And why, why not a different word? Why, why this same word in the middle there? Um, I have a theory, yeah. Um, I, ha I have a theory on this one. I don't know if anybody else wants to suggest any um, any any reason why they why well, why they think it might be it might be um, used here in this particular scripture. Um, good question. I have a question here which says, um, "But can the mind be in pain?" Um, Honestly, in my opinion, no, because I don't know that my mind feels everything that I feel is in my emotions. It's in that place where I, where I, where I feel things. So I don't know that the mind can feel pain um, in itself. Um, but hey, I, I'm not. I, I'm not that much of a. Uh, uh, of a biologist or, or a doctor or 
or even do I have that much knowledge to be able to understand the human body to that extent as to whether the mind can feel pain? But I, I don't know. I mean, guys, what do you think? Do you think the mind can feel pain? Uh, I'm not sure. Let's let's let, let's hear your thoughts on it. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Anybody? Chris, do you want to? I'm I'm thinking per, perhaps uh, the I, I could be wrong, but uh, my interpretation of the mind being in pain is if I'm thinking thoughts that are upsetting, or if a thought comes to my mind that I think is that makes me afraid or or, or worried. That could be my my mind thinking and being in pain. Otherwise, I would say it would be emotional or, or physical. But in, in the mind, I, I'm thinking it's in terms of one's thoughts. If you can't get rid of a thought, I give you a, a, a quick example. I I'm I'm trying to deal with a particular kind of thing myself at the moment where uh, if I'm in a situation, my mind I, I, I pray and I, I call on the Lord, but I must confess that my mind does very often always go to the worst case scenario. And that does give me some kind of pain, not always physical, but it, it is quite painful to if you're thinking of something uh, uh, of a loved one or something and you're worried about them. And instead of thinking they're okay you think oh they could be they could be in at, at, in harm's way or something i don't know if that makes any sense but that that, yep. that was what it, I, I was thinking it does make sense thank you thank you for that contribution um um Biela, you have your hand up would you like to say something too yeah hi good evening everyone it's quite an interesting one and i was just googling away it does say <laughs> i personally had never thought that the mind was capable of feeling pain because the mind is not a it's not an emotional uh, the mind isn't emotional is what i should say so i've always believed that we have another part of us which is the soul and that's where we feel our emotions so Things are, I mean, we've, we get it in our minds. Obviously, we know the mind is where things are generated. But the actual feeling or actual emotion is in the soul. That's what I think. Okay. I may be wrong, but okay. I've, never, I've never heard or heard it suggested that the mind can feel pain. It generates the thoughts, but the actual feeling is deposited somewhere else if that kind of well they kind of work together yeah okay they work yep. together that's my yep. contribution thank you okay all right thank you um yeah and I, I i think um to be honest with you it's it's quite um a challenging thing but in i do feel that um and this is this is my own my own opinion on it that the mind generates the thoughts or processes the thoughts works on all of those, but as it does that, it has this um, interconnected relationship with what you would call the emotions, and you could say that that's in the soul. I, I'm I'm not um, I'm not um, going to 
there's no there's no de denying or arguing that in any way um let's that but what what i'm what it what it says is that it passes that on to the emotions or to the soul and that's where you feel the pain so yes the two of them feed on each other that's my own view because if you could you could be one moment in a very happy joyous mood and then you hear something some word yeah and if you're happy we generally say oh your emotions you're you're having a good you're having a good time you know your emotions are high they're, they're up there but when that thought or something comes in it's almost like a city intrudes on that uh, emotional feeling and brings a dampener on it and then quietens it down and changes the 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 that the emotion from maybe happy to sad or to disappointed or whatever it might be in itself in there but hey that's just us as um as 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 people trying to understand this and the one thing i always do whenever i get to a point where i'm not quite sure about anything i always pray and i always ask the holy spirit to bring knowledge and understanding to me as to how that really works and i've always he's always answered me it doesn't have to be immediately it might be months weeks years after but i have evidence that he always does it so you know if it really if you really want to truly understand and know it yeah please just just ask him just 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 tell say lord look i like to understand how the mind and the emotions or how the mind and the feelings work together and just show me and i'm sure he will at some point in time so um yeah so again thanks for all the comments i i can read them um i'd like to move on a little bit but yes it's something that we can talk about and you know please later on you might come across something that you think might be useful you know just get hold of me share it with me i'm quite happy to quite happy to learn a bit more from from you guys um as we move on so i just want to move on a little bit more just so we can get to some 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 other things that um i think are very useful for us to know so that that's that's basically um this one but now talking about exodus 15 8 this talks about the um the the waters the depths of the waters congealed in the heart of the sea and this was pointing to something as in the center of the sea the mist of it in the middle of it the center of it and it in my in my in my view it points to the central part the heart plays in human existence whether in the physical body or in the spiritual side of things yeah what's what what it is because the heart of something is the central part of that thing um i mean i think we can all relate to that when we talk about the heart of something being the central um 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 part of 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 of, of that thing so yeah um that that just brings it but it's interesting that the 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 word um mist has there's a different hebrew word for the word in the mist but it wasn't used here it's the heart that was used in this case so i i never take anything for granted i always think that the holy spirit is communicating something behind it in there and I, that's just me but you know and it works for me but they, there's something else behind that in there but that's what i think it's talking or pointing to the central um 
the, the, the central part of it, the center of a human being or the center of, of, of something is the heart of that, of that thing uh, in itself, okay? So, right, let's just, okay, right. So, um, yeah, okay, so that's just exactly the same thing I was just saying. I'll just move on a little bit from that so I can move on to the next set of things. Okay, so right here. Now, another one I thought we should look at was this one, Exodus 23, verse 9. And again, this is also very interesting. So I'm going to read it. Also, you shall not oppress a stranger, for you know the heart of a stranger, because you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Okay. Now, the word, the Hebrew word translated heart here is a different word from the word lahav, which we'd looked at previously. All the previous examples were that same translation lahav, but this one is different. This one is the word nefesh, which if, um, if you go back to Genesis chapter, chapter two, when the scripture talks about God breathing into, um, um, or actually in Genesis chapter one, when it talks about um, um, living creatures, he uses the word nefesh for them, basically talking about their souls or, or whatever it is. But that word nefesh is really translated mostly in scripture as soul, but also as heart and sometimes mind in there. But the greater, the greater number of translations are translated as soul. And this, of course, again, brings in another one as the uniqueness of the way the Bible translated. And please, let's not think that this is human translations or it was the humans that made those translations. Let's remind ourselves of the scripture that tells us that all scripture is given by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So I don't believe, uh, I don't believe that they sat there and chose the word or something. It was the Holy Spirit that directed the choice of the words to be used in each one because he's communicating something to us. And, you know, the scripture tells us that the more you dig, the more you find. So the more you go, there are more things that are revealed in the scriptures in there. So here we come to the point where we see that the soul is also related in some way to the heart. And I'm not surprised because the one we just looked at previously talks about the heart being the center of, of it. And earlier on, I did say to you that the word leharv is, um, has been translated um, as inner man or as, um, as um, um, understanding. And so there are different translations of that same word. But here, the soul, which what you and I consider to be the seat of the will, the emotions, and the intellect, uh, um, all sit together in the soul, well, here he's equating it to the heart in itself, or the, using the same words to describe what it means in here. But when we think about this scripture, the Israelites had been in bondage in Egypt for many years, 
So they had many different experiences, emotional experiences, mind or thought experiences, physical experiences. They'd seen things with their eyes. So their whole being had experienced what it was like to be a slave or to be a stranger in a foreign land. And so here God is reminding them about that. And that just brings into, into focus the whole of a human experience. All the things that we experience in there is almost encapsulated in that one word, that soul in there, or in this case, the heart. So when the Bible is using these words interchangeably, I'm hoping that from now on, when you read the scripture and you come across the heart, you don't just gloss over it and move on to the next one. You pause a little bit and you ask yourself the question, what's the context in here? What is it really saying in here? Is this part of the heart as a physical organ? Is it as the mind? Is it as the emotions? Is it as uh, um, the soul or the inner man? Is he talking about the centermost being, centermost part of it? Just, 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 just a little pause there to have a look and consider the scripture you're reading in the context of that scripture to try and understand what's the Holy Spirit trying to communicate at that point in time. That's one of the key things I wanted to point out or wanted us to recognize from the way the Bible uses these words interchangeably. And to be honest, heart, soul, and spirit uh, can be confusing in the way the scriptures lay them out uh, in there. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I, may, I may trouble you a little bit in terms of when you read the scripture, all you keep seeing is, is this, but you know, if, you, if you're doing it diligently, it will, pay, it will bear fruit. You bear fruit and please share it with me when it does bear fruit. Okay, so one more, and I think then we'll move on to something else just to, um, just to, just to, just to be conscious of time. Okay, so another one I wanted us to look at is Exodus 35, verse 5. And please, there are 800 and I think 30 potential examples that we could use. These are just some of them that I just picked up um, as I felt led to do so. And this is an interesting one. And this is, um, again, from the King James Version. Um, I tend to use the King James Version when I am studying, um, but I read all the other versions just to get an, an understanding of what is being said. So in the King James Version, it says, Take ye from amongst you an offering unto the Lord, whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it an offering of the of the Lord, gold and silver and brass. Yeah. So um, here God asks Moses to take an offering of the children of Israel, but he gives a condition. He says those who are of a willing heart. And again, I thought, okay, what's the Hebrew word used here? And it's the same Hebrew word, lahav, as the one used in Genesis 6, 5. So it's the one that was talking about the mind or the emotions of God in here, in, in, those, in, in Genesis 6, verses 5 and 6. And here it's talking about a willing heart. So it's talking about something. Um, and I just basically put it in there, um, so that we we can see that the scripture seems to be indicating 
a type of heart or the condition of a heart. In this case, the heart is willing in there. So it then introduces another, let me call them attributes or something, but um, there's another word I will use later on when, we, when, I, when I move slides in there. But um, the, it introduces another aspect of the heart that um, I want us to, to just look at for a bit in here. And that is that aspect of the heart that talks about the different kinds of heart. And I put some examples in here, hardened heart, clean heart, deceitful heart, tender heart. I'm sure we're familiar with some of those, those, um, those types of hearts um, in there. Okay. So talking about hearts or talking about the condition of a heart, you know, and again, as usual, I like to go and find out, okay, what are the different conditions of in here? And on the right hand side, uh, my right, so probably be your right as well. Um, I have a, a list of different kinds of hearts, a proud heart, idolatrous heart, um, deceitful heart, stubborn heart, tender heart, steadfast heart, upright heart, different, different types. And that just begins to explain or what you and I may call the state of a person's heart. And in that state or what is called the state of the heart, that's where we find certain things that direct the way in which we behave. And I sort of bring those things together as the attitude and the character of the heart in itself. So it's those things that frame the way in which we approach things or the way in which we consider things and those things that actually just come out of us naturally or without without any need for help you know um an example um I, that i like to i like to give is that if you were in a room and you know, let's let this, the 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 room that comes to mind is always a prayer room, where some of us are closing our eyes and praying, and you know, just some walking around in there. And most of the time, when we have our belongings, our bags and stuff, or we just put them down beside us, and we're in our phones, and we just continue. And sometimes we might close our eyes, we'll be on the floor kneeling and stuff like that. And we generally, most of the time, don't consider those things, whether or not they're safe, or whether when you open your eyes they will be there. We just generally tend to do it but if I told you at that point in time that um, actually hang on we know that there is somebody who's around at the moment who um, 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 suffers from the condition of taking things that are not necessarily um, that don't necessarily belong to them you know there's a word that we use for that we call it kleptomania or something of that nature now if I told you that then what would you do? Would you continue to close your eyes and pray? Or would you take your things and make sure you put it away, maybe in your pockets or on you or something, or in front of you or something? Would it change your perspective as to how you were doing things? Yeah. And that will tell the attitude of your heart. Because if, and when I say attitude of your heart, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a negative thing. I'm just pointing out that because of that new information you have, and you've mixed that with the attitude, you don't want your thing to be stolen, so you take precautions and you 
keep it and hide it. Valid, valid reaction. It's not a wrong reaction or anything. So don't think about it as, uh, you know, uh, I'm that. But the fact of the matter is that the attitude that we have, if you had a different attitude, oh, it doesn't really matter, they can have it or stuff like that. You may not even bother about it. You just continue, you know, doing what it is you're doing. Yeah. And there's a subtle difference between those two. And that can be applied in so many different cases. That's just one example to highlight that, what the attitude of the heart can or does do. <laughs> yeah, okay. What type of heart does God want us to have in Proverbs 4, verse 23? Um, I don't know if I'm going to answer that pro at the end of this, um, of this uh, session. Um, I think I do, but um, I'll try not to answer that now. But let's see if I do so at the end of this session. Yeah, um, there's some things to come that relates to Proverbs 4, 30, uh, 20, 23 in a minute okay so that's basically what i wanted to emphasize in that in in terms of it is that the attitude of our hearts um uh, quite important because we can see from the list in there that there's some that god um, acknowledges are good things like a steadfast heart a tender heart you know and some that we acknowledge that god acknowledges are not so good things like a stubborn heart or an idolatrous heart or, or stuff like that so we're, we're we're there and the bible is full of all of them i've put some scriptures in there so that you can see um i'm, I'm not just making it up um, but the bible actually does talk about them okay so now why is all of this important why even consider the attitude of the hearts why even consider the different aspects or what the bible seems to be indicating uh parts of the heart in there and the real reason is because of these three statements um in here there are more in scripture as well i've just picked these three in here proverbs 4 23 which talks about guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Um, the New King James Version will say, guard your heart with all diligence because out of it flows the issues of life. Yeah, in there. But basically what's the scripture say? It says, guard, watch over, look after, care for your heart. Why should you do that? Because it determines the cause of your life. How? We shall see that in a minute. But that's a very important statement for us to be there because that shows us how important the heart is for us in life. If we're going to live and have a good experience in life, the heart is very important in that respect. And then Jesus Christ for us also in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, a good man out of the good treasures of his heart brings forth good and an evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart brings forth evil for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks now i didn't have time and i wanted to but i didn't have time to go in to the greek and understand what it means by heart in this case but you can do that again just to be just to just just to take it a little bit further. And of course, Proverbs 13 verse 3 says, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. So he who opens wide his lips 
comes to Rune. So what we have here is we have the heart being important because it directs the course of life. It determines which way or what happens in life. And then Jesus says, look, be careful because what is in your heart is what you speak. So if you speak negative things because you have negative things in the heart, that will affect your life because that's what it is. And that's what those three scriptures are basically telling us that these things are so important that we should guard, watch, look after our hearts in there. Yes, thank you for that. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is beautiful. That's another one that I could have added in here as well. Yes, indeed. Thank you. Thank you for that. Okay, so how do we guard our hearts? Yeah, what do we, what do, we do? How do we guard our hearts? Because we've been told to guard our hearts. What can we do to guard our hearts? Well, I'm going to make some suggestions, some things to help us in here, but they're just based on certain scriptures. I want us to consider what Jesus Christ said to us. It says here, then he said, pay close attention to what you hear. Yeah. So what you hear is important. Please pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given and you will receive even more. So what you hear is very important. Yeah, and I will explain why in a minute, okay? Again, if we look at Luke chapter eight, verse 18, it says, so pay attention to how you hear. So the first one was what you hear. This one says how you hear. So there are two different things again in there. What you hear is important, but how you hear it. And that will talk about that processing. Remember when we talked about the beginning, when we talked about how the mind processes things, how it goes through to form, to weave, to, to con um, contrive or yeah, plot in the mind. It says, pay attention to how you hear. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. Yeah. So I do want us to bear those two things in mind. What you hear, how you hear it. Okay. And a third one in there is what it says in um, 1 Timothy 4.16. Keep a close watch on yourself and on your on the teachings yeah persist in this for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers okay right so i i i i i think i will move on because i'm nearing the end of time okay so here are some tips to help I'm sure you may all have heard of the different gates. We have different gates by which information or words get into our hearts because everything we good, all you've heard me say today is words. I have just spoken words, but the way I have put the words together will form some meaning in your heart or in your mind when you hear it. And it depends on what you do with it when you hear it, that it's important. But let's look at how we take in information. We take in information through our eyes, when we either read or when we see things, when we observe things, we take in information. That information we're taking in, they might be in pictures, but they form words in our hearts in there. Again, what we hear, whether it's what we hear physically, what is whispered to us, or what we hear by our imaginations, depending on, on what, what 
what's feeding those words to us in there. So that's where, again, we have to be careful when we have those thoughts in there, because some of those thoughts are not necessarily from the right place to help us. So we do need to pay attention to that. What we read, when we read stuff, when, when, what we feel, because our feelings speak to us. Of course, if you were to touch a hot oven or something, it would tell you it's hot. It will speak to you in a way, but it doesn't come in as somebody speaking words to you, but you, you translate that to pain and you feel that and you understand and your brain processes that in itself. So all these things are passing information and the basis of that information is always words in there. Again, from our senses, smell, taste, or um, um, what are the other ones? What are the other ones? There are five of them. I can't remember right now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Yeah. In there. So, but this is where I want us to consider, and I would like us to end on this one today, is what words and how important they are. The words that we hear, the words that we receive, whether it's somebody speaking to us, the words that we think on, we meditate on, the kind of things. That's why that scripture in um, uh, trying to remember Romans, it is when it talks about um, think on those things, whatever is pure, whatever is good, whatever is virtue, good virtue, think on those things. That's one of the reasons why it tells us to think on those things, because those things do what they influence the words that we hear influence the thoughts that we have so if we hear good words if we hear kind words if we hear nice words they influence the what we think but if we hear negative words it influences how we think and if we continue to think on those words it will continue to feed those things and soon that will translate to our feelings because the thoughts that we have sometimes will affect our feelings so if we think about a negative thing so much or we're worried or anxious we get depressed and our feelings, we get sad, and that translates in there, in, um, in there. And the feelings that we have, if we continuously have a specific feeling, if we continually allow that feeling to, to persist, right, it will influence our attitudes, our attitudes towards things, our attitudes towards people, our attitudes towards things. And once we get to the point where our attitudes are being influenced, then the decisions we make are also being influenced by those attitudes. Why? Because we've taken those words, we've processed them, they've become thoughts, we've thought over those thoughts, and now we are feeling those thoughts, and those feelings are now driving our attitudes. Because I don't know any one of us here who likes pain so of course if you if you if you have something that keeps on bringing that pain in there your decisions will be to move you away from those anything that is going to be painful in any way you you're not going to want to hang on it you're not even going to want to endure it you just don't want to have anything to do with pain why because it's too painful yeah and it's because you have developed some i don't want to use the word familiarity but some um, uh, affiliation with that with that pain and you've made up your mind you don't want it so you have an adverse attitude to pain and so that's just an example and it may not be the best example but that's the only one that came to mind just right now and of course the decisions we make 
whatever decisions, they always determine our actions. Because once we make a decision, we're, we're going to do it. Eventually, we will do it. Once you make a decision, eventually you do it. It doesn't matter. Even if you keep on postponing it, because we made that decision, that conscious decision, it works in the background to move us into action. And the more we do certain things over and over and over, we form a habit. And the more we form those habits, that becomes part of us. It becomes our character. So you say, oh, that's how I am. That's what it is. That's how I am. I don't know any other way. That's what I've always done uh, because a habit was formed. And that has become a defining part of the character. Yeah. And when we have, depending on the character we have and what we have, that affects our destiny. That determines where we go, what we do, whether we do what God wants us to do or what no God wants want or what, doesn't, or what we shouldn't be doing. So having heard all this information, I think it will be a good thing for each and every one of us to think about it and consider the kind of things we think about. And once we, are, we understand or begin to recognize the patterns of thoughts that we're having, let's see where those words are coming from. What are the key words that are influencing those thoughts? And let's see if we can change those words. Because if you successfully change those words, they will flow through into your thoughts. That's why we pick up scripture. That's why we read the scripture. When we are seeing something we don't want, we take the scripture, we read them. That's why we pray, because those things help us in those processes to be able to change the words that we hear and the thoughts that we have. And of course, drive the feelings, the attitudes, the decisions, the actions, the habits, the character and destiny. So God wants to work on all of this for us. And for us, we are all at different places and in different things, um, different challenges that we face. The question is, what would you do knowing that the words that you hear are that important? How would you guard your heart? Whatever that might be, guard it. How would you guard it? What would you do to ensure that the thoughts, the feelings, the attitudes, the decisions, the actions, the habits, the characters uh, that you are developing all fall in line with what God wants us to have? And that's basically what, um, what, I, what I have for us today. Um, I hope it's been very useful. Um, I hope it's made sense. Um, Sorry, we couldn't go into it and have a good discussion about everything. You can imagine how this can take hours to do, but we only have one hour. Um, and I thought it would be useful for us to have this at the end rather than for us to stop halfway through and not really come to this point. So, um, yeah, sorry again, no questions. I'm quite happy to hang on for a few minutes if anybody wants to, and we can ask some questions. I'm quite happy to do so, but um, if not, yeah, um, I apologize for, for not taking any questions. I hope it makes sense. Awesome. Okay, well, let's just end in prayer since um, um, that, and again, if anybody wants to stay on, just let me know that you want to just have a question or so, and then I'm quite happy to do that. I hope that will be okay, Lyle. Um, okay, so let me just pray. Father, we just thank you. We've heard your words. We've received what it is that you have said. 
Father, we just pray that you will breathe on the words that we have heard and you would help us to understand what it is you will have for each and every one of us because with us, individual as we are so are our needs different but holy spirit please just speak to each and every one of us in our quiet time when we lie on our beds bring to our remembrance those things that you want us to pick out from what it is we've heard today and holy spirit i pray that where there are questions please answer those questions the way you alone can Thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping us today. Thank you for teaching. Thank you for all that you're doing. Father, we have focused on your words. I pray that you will bless everyone and benefit them in the way that they need you to benefit them today. Because no one comes into your presence, Father, and does not receive from you. And I thank you that as we have made you the center and your word, the important part of our day today, Father, reward us for what it is that you would have us do. Because you said, if we seek first the kingdom of God and the righteousness, the rest will be added. So, Father, I thank you for adding the rest unto each and every one of us. We bless and praise your holy name in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So thank you, everyone. Thank you. Indeed. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you all. Have a great evening. 